The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For as long as I can remember, black and white photographs hung on the walls of my grandparents' house at Bugs Island Lake. Most of the pictures on the walls were snapshots from my mother's childhood, together with her brother and sister. But there were a couple of older portraits, too, and pictures of my grandparents' travels out west and to China. On a bookshelf, there were more photographs stacked in albums that told the story of how they had built that house room by room and year by year. My grandmommy is the person who got me interested in our family history. Computers and the internet were still relatively new technology for any of us who weren't engineers or computer scientists, but she had carefully printed notes that recorded the generations of my grandfather's family back to their arrival from Yorkshire. In the decades since, I've added to her notes and shared our ancestors' stories with my own children. This kind of recitation of stories and preservation of memories is at the heart of today's reading from Deuteronomy. The last of the five books of the Jewish Torah, or Pentateuch, Deuteronomy retells the stories of the covenant relationship between God and God's people in a series of speeches and acts by Moses. 
Our text this morning is part of one of Moses' last speeches to the Hebrew people before his death and their entry into the promised land without him. Here he is recalling God's generosity to them and instructing them about making an offering of first fruits when they enter the new land. As part of making their offering, he tells them to recite their history as God's people, beginning with the words, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. Tracing their family's ancestral history of Jacob's flight to Egypt during the famine, through slavery to the Pharaoh, their escape across the Reed Sea and their exodus in the wilderness, surely they would not quickly forget where they had come from and whose shoulders they stood on. With repetition, the story of God's generosity and salvation would be woven into each person's identity and become part of the warp and weft of the fabric of the community's identity, too. In the same way, the promises of God that we are given are woven into our identity at baptism. When we receive the promise of forgiveness and new life in Christ. Lutheran pastor and author Nadia Boltz Weber once told the story that when Martin Luther himself was hiding away in a castle, translating the Bible into German, so that for the very first time, somewhat regular folks could read the word of God, he struggled mightily with doubt and with discouragement from what he understood to be the devil. And he was known not only to throw occasional ink pots at whatever was tormenting him and causing him to doubt God's promises, but while doing so, he could be heard throughout the castle grounds shouting, I am baptized! In today's gospel account, we hear Luke's telling of the temptation of Jesus after his baptism. And every time the devil questions who Jesus is and tries to lure him into a lie, Jesus responds immediately with the truth that he knows in God's word. Jesus knows the promises God has made. He is confident in God's power to fulfill those promises. And he refuses to believe the devil's lies. The season of Lent mirrors the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness before they reached Canaan and the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. Listening to their stories, I wonder, how do we respond when we are tempted to forget God's generosity? Do we take God's promises seriously? Right now, I'm listening to a book, The Ragged Edge of Night. It's a story set in the early 1940s in Germany. And one of the characters is a former Franciscan friar whose order was disbanded when the Nazi party dismantled Catholic institutions as their power grew. And as the man tells his story, he is reconciling his former life 
in the order where he wore a simple gray habit and cincture, lived in one room and worked as a teacher with all of his needs provided for, to his current circumstances where his coat is now threadbare. He is living in a village under austere wartime conditions and he is eking out a living teaching music. Even in the difficulty, his faith sustains him. But he wrestles with the world he is living in and the brokenness that he witnesses. He could respond in anger or self-pity, but he doesn't. Remembering God's generosity doesn't mean that we will never experience suffering or want. In fact, it isn't about money or wealth at all. Remembering God's generosity is remembering that God has chosen relationship over exile, love over judgment, and life over death, making each one of us God's own beloved child. We don't have photographs or albums that tell us the story of our ancestors in faith. Our identity as God's children flows out of our relationship with God, established at creation, affirmed in baptism, and nourished every time we come to the table for Holy Communion. With thanksgiving, we remember who we are as children of God when we hear again the stories of the generations before us and the promises God gave them. And we say again in the, the words of our faith, in our prayer, and in our liturgy, and we sing them in our hymns, and we proclaim again God's love for the world. Let us pray. Holy God, thank you for our ancestors and faith who led us to you and for bringing us to be fed and forgiven. Imprint your saving word on our hearts and in our mouths that we can respond with your truth when we face the devil. Teach us to respond to the world with generous spirits and hearts that reflect your abundant love. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen.